Hello everyone and welcome to the Stephen King cast, one man's musings on the works of Stephen King. Each week I'll review one entry in the bibliography of Stephen King in the chronological order of publication. Um, and this week I was going to, I was planning on reviewing the uh, recent adaptation of Cell starring uh, John Cusack and Samuel L. Jackson, but I'm going to hold off on that. Hopefully I'll be able to record that um, in the next couple days and release it later in the week. But in the meantime, more importantly what I want to do, I want to discuss all of the buzz that's been being generated around the, the, the filming of The Dark Tower um, because some major, major bombs have been dropped recently. Now, I don't know if you follow me on uh, Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, but over the last uh, couple of weeks, I have been posting um, articles and photos that have been taken at um, the filming locations of, of the Dark Tower and it. I'll talk about it a little bit. Um, but over the, the last couple weeks, New York City saw uh, Sony production come in um, and do some filming there for the Dark Tower. So there have been a lot of incredible uh, fan-captured images of of Idris Elba as Roland and Matthew McConaughey as the Man in Black and Tom Taylor as Jake, um, and in these photos, not only do do we get you know great uh, look at at the actors portraying these characters, but we also got some some spoilers as to some possible events that will be taking place and what to expect in the movie. Um, so it just it's just been very, very exciting. Um, a very exciting time on social media for, for, for being a Stephen King fan. Um, and then over the last couple days, Entertainment Weekly has been uh, dropping some exclusive news items regarding the, the, the Dark Tower, which I've also posted on my, my Facebook and Twitter. And um, just incredible stuff, guys. I mean, this is a great time to be a Stephen King fan. A, a major time to be a Stephen King fan. I mean, remember, long-time listeners, when I when I sat down and um, decided to do the Stephen King cast, you know, I talked about how when I was looking for Stephen King podcasts, I didn't really find that many, and uh, you know, I didn't feel as though he was in the cultural conversation as much as other authors, or as much as he had been when I was younger in the 80s and and in the 90s, and then, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that the Stephen King cast is responsible for this by, by any means of the, uh, the imagination, but what I am saying is that he's back. I mean, he's back in the cultural conversation. This is big. I mean, um, the, the fact that Entertainment Weekly is, is publishing these and treating it like a big deal, and the fact that the, the latest issue of Entertainment Weekly has Idris Elba as Roland and Matthew McConaughey um, as, as the man in black on the cover... That's big. That's big. I mean, in a week where some big stuff is going on in, in entertainment, right now as I record this, um, Star Wars is having the, the, the Star Wars um, celebration event, and they just released some uh, Rogue One uh, footage, which is great, and uh, San Diego Comic-Con is next week. So, I mean, there's so much stuff that you could run, but they decided to run uh, the Dark Tower, and that to me is just a sign that what they have seen is is legit and has potential to be the next big thing. At least I, I, I hope that it is. And everything that I have seen kind of lets me believe that, yes, this does have potential to be something truly special. Um, I know it's going to have its detractors. I know that purists um, won't be... Um, won't be thrilled um, with with what uh, the, the movie is going to shape up to be. 
Um, but I'm going to talk about that in more detail. In the meantime, there's a couple things. Uh, first, I just want to talk uh, about my, my own stuff. I want to shamelessly plug um, my own writing. Uh, so if you listen to the Stephen King cast and you like my thoughts on the horror genre and you want to see how I fare in the horror genre, there are some options for you. You can uh, go out and buy Dark Moon Digest, issue number 22. The story that I wrote um, is entitled Room 207. Um, and it's, it's very, very fun. I think that you guys will enjoy it. It's a, uh, it's a poor and lucky guy happens to to pull into the wrong motel and get the wrong room number. Uh, so you can get that through through Amazon. You can just download it right to your Kindle or to your iPhone. This World Will Eat You All the Way Up is a short story that I wrote that can be found in Nine Tales Told in the Dark, issue number nine. It's a story about what happens when two uh, best friends um, in college go on a cross-country field trip or a cross-country trip and uh, what happens when some secrets um, boil up to the... The, the surface. If you guys like witches, there is an anthology out there entitled Wax and Wayne, A Gathering of Witch Tales. Um, the story that I wrote is entitled Hopscotch. Um, and I think that you guys will, will like that one. It's what happens when a 13-year-old girl gets a little bit too big for her britches and uh, kind of gets put in her place. And coming this August in the Trysts of Fate publication, you can find my story, Forget Me Not, which is an examination of um, just a relationship and what happens uh, you know, when, when a relationship breaks up and what it does to our identity. And recently, the uh, short story, The Portrait, um, has been picked up for publication in the uh, publication uh, Skeptics Must Die and the portrait is a story of two kind of bumbling ghost hunters um, you know that, that just want reality television fame what happens when they go in search of a famed haunted portrait and, and what happens what happens with that so um, so that's that, guys, and um, I, I know that the, that the publishers of these magazines would appreciate uh, you heading out and purchasing these as much as I would um, appreciate it. So before I get into the, 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 the Dark Tower and It movie news, what I want to do next and just read some, uh, some listener emails because I can't do it without you guys. And um, So up first we have uh, TJ, Tommy. Uh, who writes, uh, here again with yet another long-winded email. First off, congrats on your daughter. Thank you, and she's she's right here uh, with us, um, along with the two pugs, so the quartet is, is, is reunited. On the comic book front, this time, at this time, May 3rd, 2016, they are adapting Susanna's entry into Midworld. I haven't picked up the first two issues of the ARC Bitter Medicine yet. My proximity to an actual comic book store is a bit over two hours, so I usually wait until three or four issues are out. I, really see, I recently finished an advanced reader's copy of Joe Hill's The Fireman. I work at an independent bookstore in upstate New York, Oblong Books and Music in Millerton, and we receive ARCs from publishers from all over. I'm sad to say that while the book started off strong, The Fireman slowly lost my interest after the first 300 pages. It's a long book, just under 800. I won't spoil it for you or any of your listeners who are interested in picking it up in May, but I struggled with Hill's overwriting, a weakness inherited from his father. Don't be discouraged to not pick it up. The concept is fantastic. The main character is a complete badass, and The Fireman is an awesome character as well. The marketing campaign is billing the novel as a post-apocalyptic end-of-the-world story, but it's not at all. It has more in common with his father's Cell novel, Lord of the Rings, oh my god, the Strain TV series, and Firestarter. 
There's one major plot point that gets tossed away so matter-of-factly it drove me crazy. There's almost 150 pages devoted um, to it, and the payoff it the payoff was weak. Oh, um, I feel very strongly that marketing and the uh, hype of the horror novel will yield mixed reviews only because the publisher is not marketing it as a fantasy slash epic. I feel really bad about not being in love with the book, but on the other hand, I've been loving Lock and Key. Listeners of the Stephen King cast, if you haven't checked out this awesome graphic novel comic book series, please check them out. I blew through volume four and five this past week. I also finished an ARC called My Best Friend's Exorcism by Grady Hendrix, author of Horror Store. The elevator pitch is Mean Girls meets the Evil Dead, a little flogged, but I think fans of SK and JH, Joss Whedon, and modern horror movies will like it. I look forward to your review of End of Watch, The Fireman, if you do it, and future podcasts. Keep up the great work. I'm already suffering withdrawal from your podcast. Do you have any to recommend? Your fellow constant reader, JT Tommy. Um... All right, so thank you for writing in. Um, I'm going to get to the, the fireman at some point. I just, uh, you know, right now what I'm doing in terms of my reading, I am just enjoying um, reading for the sake of reading and not a critical deep dive. I just finished, I'm, I'm catching up on um, some of Steve Alton's books. For those of you who don't know, Steve Alton is a, uh, oh, that guy's great. I mean, he, before the, the, you know, the shark craze and the sharknado and, and everything, um, you know, he, he wrote a story in like 90, 90 something, 99 maybe, called Meg, a novel of deep terror, um, which is just a great adventure um, adventure story <laughs> involving a megalodon, and he's built a franchise out of it. Uh, as ridiculous as it sounds, I mean, you, you just you get caught up in these characters and, and even the, the megalodon itself. There's been a couple, um, and you, you care about these characters, and um, it's awesome. So I'm catch I, I caught up on. Uh, on actually a sequel that he wrote to um, a story about the Loch Ness Monster called The Loch. Um, so there's actually a sequel to that that happens to cross over into the, the world of the, the Megalodon uh, series that he has. And that was called Vostak, and it was, or Vostok, and it was great. Um, very, very mind trippy. And then now I'm reading Night Stalkers, the latest in the Meg series. So after that, I want to read Justin Cronin's conclusion to his Passage trilogy. Um, and then after that, I need to finish up the... Uh, Pine Deep trilogy that I have planned for my October uh, reviews uh, to to get that Halloween fix out there for everyone, and then after that, you know, maybe I'll I'll, I'll tackle the fireman. I would like to to get into it. Um, I do support Joe Hill. I, I I love his writing, and I love Lock and Key. I'm glad that you're finishing it up. That is an incredible story. Um, and there's been some news developments on Lock and Key as well. We're going to be getting what a television show, I believe. I, I heard. Um, so that will be that will be great. Okay, um, and then we have Joanne who writes, I've only recently discovered the brilliance of Stephen King. It was around three years ago that I got really interested in horror and as a consequence became intrigued by the character of Pennywise the Clown, often considered one of the scariest characters ever. This led me to buying the book It and I was hooked. As a child, I loved reading, but had found that uh, university and starting a PhD resulted in reading becoming less of a priority. King has reignited my passion for reading, and I'm now working through all of his books, although not in chronological order, which in hindsight I wish I had done. Any spare moment I have spent immersing myself in one of his many different worlds. 
I have read around 18 books so far and would say that Pet Cemetery and 112263 are my two favorites at present. I document my progress through my Instagram account and love interacting with fellow SK fans as none of my friends share my passion. So please check out my account, which is at J-O-B-I-S-8-9. I found your podcast and um, have loved the episodes I've listened to. You highlight so many connections I previously missed and really make me appreciate how good Stephen King is. I'm currently halfway to the Dark Tower. I'm reading Wolves of the Kala and cannot wait to see how it all plays out. I'm equally intrigued by the movie. Long days and pleasant nights, sigh, Joanne. So Joanne, thank you for writing in. Um, and good luck with the, uh, the rest of the Dark Tower books. Make sure you listen to my episodes and feel free to write in your thoughts on the movie and the conclusion of the Dark Tower um, because a lot of people have a lot of thoughts on the conclusion of the Dark Tower, um, myself included. So, um, so now with that said, let's talk about the Dark Tower. Let's talk about the Dark Tower movie news. Let's talk about the Dark Tower filming, guys. Let's talk about it. It's good stuff. I'm telling you, it's good stuff. Some of you disagree, and I disagree with that disagreement, and I know that everyone has a right to their opinion, but come on, guys. Come on. This is such a good time to be a Stephen King fan. I mean, what what's happening right now is Stephen King is gaining a, a, a level of, of fan fervor Likes of which that, you know, and George R. R. Martin fans get when they um, snap photos of Game of Thrones and the speculation around what's going to happen in the next season of Game of Thrones. And, you know, Star Wars fans get. And it's big, guys. So let's just enjoy it. You know, maybe the movie won't be good. But for right now, what I would say is just enjoy it. Go for, go along for the ride. This is cool. I mean, the, the entertainment industry right now is celebrating the love that we all have of Stephen King and the Dark Tower and it, and I I want to I want to make sure I talk about the 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 film um, that they're doing right now of it. And I know that I've been kind of down on it in the past, not down so much as um, just disappointed because um, Carrie Fukunaga. And I know I always screw up his name, um, but Carrie Fukunaga when he left, I was I was just like, oh, you know, went from being what pretty much would have been guaranteed a great movie. Um, to, you know, something that could just be good, I don't know. But um, but no, lately what I've been seeing, I've been very, very excited. Um, so I, I have a lot to talk about. I want to do a deep dive on all of the news that's been hitting regarding the, the, the Dark Tower movie. Um, and I'll share my thoughts on, on the photos that they've been releasing of, of it as well. Okay, guys, so here's what we know of... of um, of the movie based on uh, set photos that have been taken and uh, the Entertainment Weekly stories. So the first of which the plot revolves around, um, and I, I like this, so the plot revolves around Roland hunting down the man in black. Okay, So that's nothing new, um, but th there is some, there's some change there. So hold on one second, one of my dogs is about to go after, nope, nope, never mind. Uh, so the Roland is hunting down Walter. Okay, now he's not necessarily driven by his quest to find the tower. So that I know is gonna irk a lot of people, but think about this in terms of making this movie, okay? A character needs an arc, right? So this to me makes sense. Roland's gonna go on a, a character journey here as well as a, a, a literal journey. And so right now he has motivation and his motivation is to find Walter. Just like in the books. But the problem was with the books, I always had an issue with the fact that it was very ambiguous why he was hunting the man in black in the first place. Can anyone really tell me why? 
Can anyone get into the specifics here as to why he was going after the man in black? He knows that the man in black will lead him to the tower, but how? How will that happen? Does Roland know? How did Roland get on the, the tail of the man in black in the first place? Um, these answers are, are very, well, th there are no answers. It's just the, the whole thing is very ambiguous, and, and you kind of, you accept it because that first sentence is so, so powerful. And actually, I should say now, I'm glad that I say this, is because um, there's going to be spoilers just for the rest of this episode, so if you don't know the end of the Dark Tower and you don't know the beat-by-beat the, the, the -beat structure of the Dark Tower and the ins and outs, um, cry off, come back when you have finished the Dark Tower, because I'm going to be talking about the end and things that, that might change. So spoilers for, for all Stephen King, all, um, all the Dark Tower. So um, in the... <clears throat> In the book, Roland's trying to get to Walter because Walter's going to show him where the tower is, supposedly. That has been changed for the movie. Roland has given up on the tower. Um, and instead, he's just furiously hunting the man in black. He's a man on a vengeance quest, and I like that. So that, to me, still shows what we need to know of Roland, that he's driven, he's obsessive, he's solitary. Okay, He's consumed by quests, except this quest is fueled by... I hate because in this movie, in this movie world, Walter is responsible for um, the destruction of Midworld. Okay, so I don't know to what extent. I don't know if that means that he is responsible for the post-apocalyptic look of the place. I don't know if what what that means. I don't know. It, to me, it if I was to interpret that is that he's he's kind of being roped into the the John Farson role, which to me makes sense. In my reviews of the books, I talked about how the John Farson character fit. Randall's persona, sorry, Walter's personification as Randall Flagg in the pages of the sand. So it made sense to me. So Roland blames Walter for everything he's ever loved in his life um, is dead, gone because of Walter, and he's just, I, I, I guess he has forsaken the tower for a vengeance quest, and I'm fine with that. In fact, the, the phrase, forgotten the face of your father, has come up repeatedly, um, and I think that. It, this is how loyal this is going to get. Um, I believe that, if I'm able to, to read into this correctly, that phrase will be a living, breathing point and part of this movie. It's not just going to be you know, a phrase thrown out there um, as an Easter egg to the fans. It's actually going to mean something. I think that Roland has forgotten the face of his father, meaning that he has given up his quest of the Dark Tower for a very personal vengeance quest. And I'm totally down with that. Okay, so Roland is hunting the man in black. And the man in black, in turn, is just kind of bored. Um, he's, I guess, uh, just kind of holed up um, in Aljul Ciento um, at the Thunderclap, uh, the home of the Breakers. And he's just doing his thing, doing the work of the Crimson King. And the Crimson King is definitely mentioned, so uh, which I think is awesome. And... Uh, he discovers a boy by the name of Jake Chambers who has, and this is the, the term that they use, the shine. Um, and he's a very, very powerful breaker. So all of a sudden, Walter gets very excited. He's like, hey, now I finally have something to do because he's bored. Um, and so he goes off in search of Jake because he feels that Jake will really, really help bring about the destruction of the tower. Meanwhile, Jake in New York City has been having dreams um, and visions because he has the shine of um, 
of a tower in a field of roses and a rose and the gunslinger. And he knows that the gunslinger has given up his quest and he knows he needs to get to the gunslinger. So what we have is Roland hunting Walter, Walter hunting Jake, Jake hunting Roland. So that to me shows a a very specific um, uh, structure that is a circle. And we know that circles play a very large part in the Dark Tower saga. So this, to me, is that's Ka um, personified in in our character arcs within this movie. So a couple things. Let's so let's break this down a little bit. One, I understand why they did this because it gives each of these characters motivation. Jake and the Gunslinger is little more than just a just a tool. Um, he's kind of just a MacGuffin, right? He's not much of a character. He's a walking symbol. So now this character is not going to be passive. He's not going to be an ert. He's going to be a um, proactive character. Everyone has a specific goal, and I like that. So I also love the fact that it's called The Shine. I mean, come on. I mean, how if you're a Stephen King fan, how can that not just make you go, okay, that's pretty awesome, um, that they're actually using that, that term for it. Um, that's such a great Easter egg. Um, and I know that some people will be upset that Jake has the shine. Well, I mean, I guess my argument would be this. In the books, it was revealed later that Jake has the touch, and the touch is just a mid-world term um, for what the shine is. So Jake did have the shine, and we did have the forces of the Crimson King abducting those with psychic abilities in order to break down uh, the tower. And we have a very specific story in which uh, the forces of the Crimson King discover a very, very powerful breaker who happens to be a boy and abduct, abduct him, and that's in the pages of Black House. So this, to me, is very much in keeping with what Stephen King has written. So I guess I'm not upset by these kind of changes for a couple reasons. One, and uh, the director or Stephen King um, or the, uh, no, I think it was actually the, the writer of the article. I mean, the, the way that he phrased it, I had phrased it before, um, is that the way that they're approaching it, it's like taking making a, a comic book movie adaptation um, and when you know Marvel Comics uh, you know makes a movie starring one of their characters they look at the character's rich history and they find the truth in that character they boil that character down to its essence and they they, they take elements throughout that character's uh, history to, to craft a movie and that's what they're doing here with the, the Dark Tower um, and also keep in mind the fact that it's called the Dark Tower and not the Gunslinger all right, it's telling its story. It's going to be familiar to, to those of us that have read the books, but it's going to be different enough, um, you know, to, to be unpredictable. All right. Um, and that to me makes sense because, I mean, think about it this way, guys. I mean, the way that Stephen King composed these seven novels, he, I mean, I know that some people would just want it to be, you know, movie one, The Gunslinger, movie two, the Drawing of the Three, Movie Three, The Wastelands, and so on and so on, but it wouldn't work because if we did it that way, we'd only get one movie, and that would be The Gunslinger, and it'd be great for purists, but I, I just don't, I don't foresee people seeing that movie to warrant six following, six subsequent movies. If you look at that book, and I enjoy the book for what it is, it's a book, and it works well because of the literary devices that are on display. It's very heavy in imagery, but it it also just celebrates storytelling and how to tell stories and the power of storytelling. Um, our characters literally tell each other stories. Um, Roland tells his story to Brown. Jake tells his story to Roland. 
Man in Black tells his story or a story about the, the creation myth and what the tower is to Roland. So there's all these there's stories within stories. Um, but it's very, very literary with a capital L. It's, a, it's the work of a very early author who's flexing his muscles and, and getting these images on paper. Um, and it just feels out of sync with the rest of the books. It lays the groundwork and it could have been its own thing. Um, and if he never picked it up, I never would have been like, oh, I really wonder what's happening with that Gunslinger character. It feels like a complete story. We have a, you know, a, a man who's going on a mission. We know that he'll continue the mission and you know, one day his destiny is out there. Um, that's the story, but he continued it. And then really with the drawing of the three, we start to get the, 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 the sense of what this, this story is going to be and, and who these characters are. And he starts to flesh out the mythology more. Um, but every subsequent book adds more and more and more that, you know, I mean, I hate the term made it up as you go along, but I mean, he did, he did. Um, and he added to it more as it went along. I mean, the, the Crimson King wasn't created until 1994, not even in the pages of the the, the Dark Tower, but, uh, um, but the pages of Insomnia. And he doesn't even... He's first mentioned in 1997's Wizard in Glass um, for our, our Dark Tower characters and doesn't really play a part uh, until the, the, the final books. And even then, I mean, like this is why it's a spoiler. I mean, King subverts every expectation that we have of the Crimson King. Um, and even then, like his, his involvement is very... Uh, you, can, you can interpret it in, in many ways. I mean, but the, the way that he is, is brought into it, it would be like if Voldemort isn't brought into the Harry Potter mythos until the, the last couple books, or if Sauron um, isn't revealed to be a, a villain until the last couple pages of, of Return of the King. Um, I have no problem with them taking elements from the later books and shifting them into the earlier parts of the narrative because to me that makes sense if we now know who the grand villain is why not lay down that groundwork earlier in the books so or earlier in the story so that we have a very clear-cut understanding of what our story is going to be that to me it, that's not an issue and I actually applaud them for doing that. I like that. We know that the Crimson King is trying to break the tower. We know that he employs the low men and the vampires and the Tahin. And Randall Flagg is, is his chief emissary. So if we have that information, why not use that information to the best of our ability to tell a story that includes it? So that's the way that I see it. And I have no issue with that. And I'm going to just I'm gonna get giddy hearing the term the Crimson King. And so... When we have our final confrontation with the Crimson King, it comes in stark contrast to how he was presented in Insomnia and referenced, referenced in Black House. Now, in the pages of Insomnia and Black House, he was this incredibly powerful, you know, basically the devil of the Stephen King universe. Um, and I've talked at length about, about this and what this means and what the... Uh, the um, the expectation was, and King completely subverts that expectation by revealing to be just a screaming, unintelligible, insane Santa Claus-looking uh, guy just locked on the balcony of the tower. Um, 
and it's disappointing, but it's also purposefully disappointing. And it's King's commentary on the pathetic nature of evil. And he does that with Randall Flagg as well. I'll get to that in a little bit. But it looks like the movie's not going for that. It looks like the movie is really just playing into what the earlier impressions of the Crimson King was. And he's being referred to as a mad god that will reign over the darkness once the... Um, once the tower falls. And you know what? I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. If we get an alternate version of what could have been, I'm fine with that. Um, so I I love the idea of seeing vampires and seeing low men early on in this first book. Um, that, to me, is not a slap in the face um, of what Stephen King wrote. To me, it is not unfaithful. To me, it is being faithful because he's taking elements, Nikolai Arcel is, um, he's taking elements from the, the, the later portions of the books and just moving them around. I'm fine with that. And the reason why it works, and I talked about this, I believe, in the last episode, but this is big. This is huge. The Horn of Eld is in this. The Horn of Eld um, is not only uh, an object that Roland carries with him, but it has been confirmed, guys. It has been confirmed from the director himself that the Horn of Eld is in this, and this serves as a sequel to the books. So take a moment and, and digest that. We've never seen this before, right? This is going to completely play off what we understand the books to have been and by knowing that what Roland and Jake's journey had been the previous time around in previous incarnations um, we're able to get these changes because the Horn of Eld when the Dark Tower concluded when Roland had the Horn of Eld it suggested that there was the possibility of change so we're getting these changes and the thing is with what we have seen in the Entertainment Weekly um, uh, articles and what we have seen in uh, the uh, pictures taken on filming locations, we're seeing not new creations here or new locations. We are seeing locations that are very important to the Dark Tower mythology just put, they're, they're just in this movie, um, which makes sense to me. And, and I like that. So for instance, we know the Dixie Pig is in it. And I'm fine with that because I love the Dixie Pig. It's one of the King's strongest writing um, uh, examples of, of writing. And it's a great inclusion of that horror element uh, of the series, which will play off of his his um, his role in, in pop culture among the mass audiences. So to have the Dixie Pig in there makes perfect sense for me. Um, I'm very, very happy that the Dixie Pig is in there. Um the, the, the Dutch Hill Mansion is in it, and that's going to be a doorway that Jake uses to get to Midworld, and I'm fine with that. Um, and uh, having the, the, the Thunderclap, the, the, the Devar toy in there, I'm fine with that as well. So I have no issue so far with the changes that, that they have made um, because they're, they're, they're changing the story using elements from the story. So that, to me, um, it works. And this isn't supposed to be the exact uh, adaptation. It's a continuation where it left off. Um, so they, they, they really gave themselves uh, an incontinuity tool to explain the changes to the continuity that are going to be coming up. So that's very, very clever, and I really applaud them for that. And they have my full support for, for what it's worth. I think that it's it allows for me to just really uh, go in and and see it in a new light, and oh, so awesome, so awesome. But just seeing the Crimson King symbol 
in these pictures, it's great, guys. You know, I mean, so there's a there was a picture that was snapped on um, on location of the exterior uh, shot of of the Dixie Pig in New York, and there's a, a pig on a skewer, and the the Crimson King sigil, and that's pretty awesome. That's really awesome, uh, and um, and uh, actually around that, this is something that I did not expect. There's a scene apparently that 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 takes place in the streets of New York, and it looks to be a, a gunfight between Roland and I don't know. He I feel like he exits the Dixie Pig, because there are yeah he he's around the Dixie Pig. There's shots of him with um, uh, Jackie Earl Haley, who's playing Richard Sayre, who who's kind of the the chief lieutenant of of the the vampires, um, and kind of I think he think he runs things out of the Dixie Pig. Um, so it looks like Roland is is having a face off with him and and his his vampires uh, and shooting his way through them and there's rubble in the streets and there's an awesome shot of Idris Elba holding the gun um, kind of pointing towards the camera and in the background there's a sign um, of a storefront and the sign says Barlow and Strakers. So we have something we have. Our, our psychic ability being called the shine. We have an Easter egg of from Salem's Lot. Uh, that's awesome. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that's really getting me excited. I mean, that is fantastic. That's so cool. I got so, so pumped when I saw that because it's it shows a level of commitment and understanding of these books um, that I haven't seen out of Stephen King adaptations before. It's being treated... Um, you know, like, like it's a comic book movie, and they're slipping in these references, and just great. My only complaint, really, so far, is that Sayre and the Low Men aren't wearing those garish uh, costumes that they did in, in the books, the, the bright yellow blazers and just how gaudy they, they look. They they look like your typical kind of just goth-looking henchmen with the, the leather jackets, and they just look bad. Um, but... I mean, King was making a statement upon upon what Ill, evil was in the books and how pathetic they were and how they were garish and they they're they're just you can't take them seriously because they're they're just fools they're bumbling fools that that's what evil was in in his in his books um, and it doesn't look like we're getting that it looks like we're getting evil is evil here and I uh, and I'm fine with that if the Crimson King is actually a mad god. And not some shrieking Santa Claus. That then that evil is evil, um, and it looks like we're getting that with with the Man in Black as well. So from what I understand, he's just chilling in the the Devartois, and he is bored, um, and he respects Roland, and he just Roland kind of completes him because he's kind of giving him purpose, and there's just a singular nature to Roland that he really respects. He loves Roland in that regard, and he just likes the fact that he's being hunted by this guy um and i just i love that relationship already and i guess that he's just kind of trash talking roland using some crystal balls um so i i also really like that um but from what i understand if i'm if i'm reading this correctly um and, and if he is responsible for the destruction of midworld that to me speaks to to his randall flag persona now they can't call him flag due to the studio rights um but if they play up the version that people fell in love with, um, with the stand, that to me makes perfect sense. So if we're getting uh, like a very Randall Flaggish version of Walter, which is ridiculous to say because they are the same character, um, that to me also 
allows for fans to enjoy what was not given to us in the books. Because in the books, if you remember, Walter was just really a middling character. Um, by the end, he was a bumbling buffoon who uh, is taken out like a chump in the final pages of of, of the Dark Tower by, by Mordred uh, in a scene that I love because it really just says, hey, we should not be celebrating this guy. Um, but he he kind of bought his own importance here. He thought he was more important than he was. He he considers himself to be you know Roland's greatest enemy. Um, but Roland you know in a later scene Roland thinks of him and he says you know he was not Roland's greatest enemy. He was his oldest. He'll give him that. But he wasn't his greatest. So I mean, Flag, Walter Martin, um, the Man in Black, he 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 drank his own Kool Aid. He he thought he was more important than he actually was. Um, I mean, when he goes out um, by by Mordred, uh, I just I love that scene because we see him through Mordred's eyes, and Mordred is just thinking to himself, "Wow, this guy, he's an idiot. Like he just he won't shut up." And like you know, Mordred just wants to eat him, but he's like, "Eh, you know, I'll let him talk for a while, see where this goes." You know, and he's got just like the the peanut butter on his teeth, and he's spitting crackers out of his mouth, and uh, all the while he thinks he's so slick because he has that cap from the Black House to to keep um, Mordred's thoughts out of his head uh, so he can't control them, but it's like broken, and it's not working, and he's too dumb to realize, and he he just goes out because he's an idiot, and I like that. I like what, I, I like that revelation in the books. Um, King, like I said, subverted our expectations on on flag because the the shadow of flag grew long but the 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 actual man was was not as scary as he thought that he was but it looks like in this movie he's gonna be scary he is gonna he is a respected face of evil among the villains and he's uh the crimson king's right hand man but he's also he's also uh the man in black meaning that he has his own plans. So I, I, I really like that. Um, I'm very, very interested to, to see this because, you know, I mean, he, he plays a pretty big part in The Gunslinger, but after that, he's he's not really a part of the books. So you're going to get Matthew McConaughey playing a very stylized and um, rewritten version of The Man in Black to, to fit the needs of, of a narrative and to play the role of the villain that a lot of people wanted him to play um, in the books. So that, to me, if if you were not happy with how he went out or his lack of involvement in, in the books, well, I think that this is going to, to kind of, not, not fix, because I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I think that's going to kind of fill that need and just tell a different version of that story where he is more of a threat um, in, in the story than he was in the books, which I'm totally, totally after. Um, and then, uh, oh, in, in the articles from Entertainment Weekly, Stephen King is, is kind of being asked about his connections and, um, you know, when asked about Ted Brodigan from Hearts in Atlantis, you know, they can't use the name Ted Brodigan because of rights, but there will be an older breaker on, um, in, uh, Blue, in Blue Heaven, um, that had been abducted, you know, long before. So though his name won't be Ted, to me it sounds like he's going to be a Ted analog. So in spirit, Ted will be there. I think that that's pretty cool. Um, so there's definitely a lot to, to chew on, guys. This has been such a great time to be a Dark Tower fan because 
it's getting people it's getting people like really pumped i mean i i can't wait to see the dutch hill house i can't wait to see the dixie pig i can't wait to see um roland interact with jake and jake go hunting for roland and you know just Randall Flagg, uh, Walter, uh, Matthew McConaughey strutting around as the man in black. That's going to be great. Um, I, I'm just, I'm very excited now uh, to see what the vampires look like. And there's shots, guys, from Entertainment Weekly of Roland in Midworld that oh, looks so good. And Jake standing by himself in the desert. And it's the gun. It's 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 the Dark Tower, guys. It's the Dark Tower, um, and it feels like the Dark Tower. It feels right. It feels true. Um, I'm pumped, and I can't wait to see um, what else that we're gonna get. Um, so all you need to do is just go on over to Entertainment Weekly. All the articles are online. I'm gonna. I, I tried finding the, the the magazine. It was. They said it was supposed to be out today. I've gone to Barnes and Noble. I've gone to two different other stores to try and find it, but it's not there. So I'm gonna keep trying to find it because this is definitely something I want to buy um, and just soak up uh, and just read and read and read and read and read. Um, oh man, I can't wait for that first teaser. I can't wait. I mean, if if so much love and fandom is going into um, going into this and they're doing something as as nerdy and uh uh inside as bringing the horn of eld as a as a plot point then then i can't wait to see the the level of faithfulness that they're going to bring um that they're going to bring uh with the teaser trailer and i have no idea when that's going to be but um oh man i can't wait i can't wait so um I'll definitely be speaking more about the Dark Tower filming um, when more stuff, uh, you know, when more news hits. So keep your eyes open uh, for Stephen King cast episodes and just, you know, keep following me on uh, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook because I like to, to post a lot there. Oh, one last thing. Uh, San Diego Comic-Con is not, um, is coming up soon and Sony will not be there. Um, however, it doesn't mean that the Dark Tower will not have a presence uh, because it appears as though Beryl Evans, the author of Charlie the Choo Choo, will be at Comic-Con and will be at a booth signing copies of Charlie the Choo Choo. If this is true, then this is incredible, ingenious, next-level marketing on the part of Sony. This is what I'm talking about. This is why... Um, I, I have a lot of faith because it's clearly being made by fans here. So from what I understand, um, the uh, the day will be July 22nd. I believe that is the uh, the date. And the booth will be, um, let me see, I believe it's 1108. Booth 1108 and... Yep. Oh, no, sorry. So it's July 22nd, and the booth is 1128. And um, so if you're going to San Diego Comic-Con and you're going to be there on July 22nd, head on over to booth 1128, snap some photos, and uh, see, you know, talk to Beryl Evans, because that's pretty awesome. Okay, so not only are we getting a Dark Tower movie, guys, we're also getting... We're getting a two-part It movie as well, um, which I'm very excited about now um, because they're filming in Canada, and the the uh, the town that they're filming in, they are, you know, 
they're aging it to 1989 for this first movie, which is going to take place in 1989 and tell the story of the kids. And in previous uh, episodes, you know that I am totally fine with them changing the 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 dates so i don't want it to take place in 1958 and i don't want it to take place in 1985 um i'm i'm fine with them changing it to taking place in the 80s i think that the 80s had enough of a sensibility with amblin films um and kids on bikes stranger things comes out today i can't wait to start watching that and that to me feels very i mean that to me is the sensibility of the 80s that i think that um the the it flashbacks can uh, can tap into so um, just what they're doing, I'm 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 all about the town that they've chosen to film in. Looks very much like Derry. They have a Paul Bunyan statue uh, that they've built for it. Looks like it's going to be taking place around the Fourth of July. Um, they have you know the '80s cars there um, on set, and they have missing kid posters all over the place, which I think is a lot of fun. Um, it's just a good way to to get everyone uh, to just really make that that town start to come alive. So yeah, you know what? I'm I'm pretty excited. I'm I'm pretty excited about it. The, the director posted, you know, just a, a picture of uh, a missing girl flyer on a telephone pole, which just felt, gave me goosebumps because it just felt so it. Okay, so remember me talking about how this is being treated like a big deal and why it's a good time to be a Stephen King fan? Well, um, I'm not lying here. Entertainment Weekly posted the, the first reveal of Bill Skarsgård as Pennywise, um, and the internet blew up. And it's a great picture. He looks creepy. Like his his uh, his makeup seems to be cracking on his forehead, which to me speaks to the, uh, the 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 ancient aspects of his alien self. And um, it's a good look. I just think it's a really good look. Um, and the 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 rollout of it, uh, the exclusive photo, and the fervor that that followed reminded me of when um, they they released the first image of what Heath Ledger was going to look like as the Joker and how creepy that looked and um, it just it reminds me of that and as we all know that turned out pretty well so I'm looking forward to seeing how this this rollout of of Pennywise what he's going to look like and um, you know me you know how I feel about Pennywise is that he should at first look very friendly and inviting so you know, I mean, there has been some complaints online that he looks too malevolent right away. And I get that. I Trust me, I get it. But as an image and as, as an evil character and one of Stephen King's most recognizable characters, I think this is a good look for him. He's got yellow eyes, which is such a Stephen King thing. It's just, I'm down. I'm completely down with it. So between this and The Dark Tower, it's a great time. Uh, uh, to be a Stephen King fan. Um, so, guys, I think that that's all that I have for now. Um, I would, if I were you and you're interested in, you know, the the, the these movie news, um, make sure that you're checking out Lilia's Library at L-I-L-J-A-S-L-I-B-A-R... No. Spelt library wrong. So it's lilj-library.com. That's like the go-to source for Stephen King news. Um, and make sure you keep your eyes tuned to both Entertainment Weekly and birthmoviesdeath.com. Birthmoviesdeath.com um, has been doing a fantastic job following all of this, uh, all of the news, and um, uh, keeping it up to date and, and um, 
the the person that's covering it, Scott Wampler, you can follow him at um, uh, at Limited Paper on Twitter because uh, he tweets all the time and, and he's he's getting some good scoops. So if you are interested, um, make sure that you're you're checking those sites because uh, these are definitely the sites to be checking out. So. Um, head out to your, your grocery store, head out to your bookstore, pick up your, your copy of uh, Entertainment Weekly, who on the cover has Roland the Gunslinger and Walter the Man in Black. That's pretty awesome. It's a pretty cool world that we're living in right now where, where that's, the, that's the case. So um, next week, guys, I'm, uh, or yeah, I mean next week, uh, maybe even before next week, I'll be uh, talking about Cell. And I will, uh, I have viewed it so that you don't have to. It's pretty bad. It's a pretty, pretty bad adaptation. It's a, just a bad movie all around. And I'll, I'll be talking all about it. Um, so until then, may you have long days and pleasant nights. And I will see you here next time where M-O-O-N spells Stephen King cast. <laughs>